The Lord thy God is one. Echad. Welcome back to another session of uh, Torah Topics. We'll go ahead and finish out that Kriyat Shema. Today we don't have a Parsha. There is no actual unique Parsha for this week. So we have a special reading. It is for the festival of Shavuot. Does anybody know what Shavuot means? Uh... The exact translation, I'm not sure, but it is the giving of the law to Moses. So it's Shavuah, right, Penta, Penta, right? <laughs> I clicked on the six. All right, so Shavuot is the plural of Shavuah. Shavuah is a, it turns out that's a feminine verb, or a noun. Shavuah is, uh, means a week. Huh. So it's just saying feast of weeks because the, what the Torah says List for yourself or count <laughs> mesapair, sipor, right? Seven shavuot. So when you reach that seven sevens and eight a day, you're at you're at the day, the uh, holiday of shavuot, which we just passed. Depending on which calendar reckoning, mm-hmm. the uh, most common calendar used the Hillel two calendar, also known as the Jewish calendar. So the shavuot was, yes, it ended um, <laughs> yesterday. The day before, it ended yesterday. Yeah, started and ended yes, yesterday. There are other groups who use a different calendar, mm-hmm. so it's still coming up. Whatever calendar <laughs> you use, that's fine. With Shavuot, weeks. Shavuot is a plural. That's how you say, like in English, weeks. All right. So we learned there is no parsha for this week, but there is a holiday and. We had another vote out here. The question is, here's a trivia question. Is Shavuot mentioned anywhere in the New Testament? Yes. It is. Okay. <laughs> Under the name of Pentecost. Yes. <laughs> so it gets a lot of um, coverage, you want to say, traditional church, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, the, what do we call that? Uh, Sunday church or something? Uh, yeah, in the modern cultural, uh, modern church culture. It gets a lot of coverage. Well, so it does, but it does. I don't think most of the people who are uh, following the covering of it really understand what it is. Yes, that's a good reason to bring it up, you know. <laughs> so, right. Like, it, it, it's covered, just not, like, you know, with a whole lot of understanding. <laughs> There's even a denomination that is named after this. The Pentecostal Church. <laughs> Pentecostals, right? Yep. Look at this translation. That translation called it the the Festival of Shavuot arrived. <laughs> How about that? That's an Acts really? chapter two, verse one. The yeah. Festival of Shavuot arrived, and the believers all gathered together in one place. Right. So, I suspect. I guess. Uh, oh, go ahead. What now? <laughs> Why do the other translators translate it the day of Pentecost? Well, the complete Jewish uh, study Bible is trying to remain true to the Hebraic roots of Scripture, but the King James version, the you know all these other versions, they're pulling from a Greek translation, and so they just transferred the Greek 
linguistically, they transliterated it into English, and Pentecost is what you get from that. Hmm. I'm pretty sure the word Shavuot does not actually appear in the Torah as as a holiday. It does appear as a plural of the word for week, right? We can we can find that, but the answer to that question is this Greek writing here. <laughs> This word where I'm moving the mouse pointer. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot longer than I thought it would be. Does that that's, sound like Pentecost in the Greek? Well, I don't. I know enough. You know, this is uh, we we defer to the Greek scholars. We don't teach with any authority, but we can sort of make this out. Pentecoston or Pentecostal. Okay. That's what this says. It takes a. It's funny because in Hebrew, compared to English, it's very compact. But it seems like English is com- slightly compact in comparison to Greek. Maybe not. Uh, a little bit. This says the day of Pentecost. That's what it says in Greek. Yeah. Uh, I thought we should include that for anybody. This is the big, uh, the the, men- the mention of Pentecost that's in the New Testament um, it's mainly in this one, at least this is the one that gets all the coverage because it's associated with preaching and, of course, what other thing? The Holy Spirit, right? Okay, so it's, it's, but it's mentioned a couple other times, too, in Acts chapter 20. It's a very interesting, just an interesting, um, what, context. Mm-hmm. Um, the apostle had decided to sail past Ephesus in order that he might not have to spend time in Asia. He was hurrying to be in Jerusalem. So the apostle was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if at all possible, on the day of Shavuot. Look at that. Shavuot, it says right there. Yep. To get to Yerushalayim, in or in po- if possible, in time to celebrate Shavuot. That's what the Greek says. Then another time in uh, in Corinthians 16, verse 8, but I, I shall remain in Ephesus until shovel up. All right. So it's in there. And that's the holiday we're currently observing. But um, to bring some clarity to people who are new, heard about these, now it's time to learn more. Pentecost is the Greek way to say shovel up. Um, I don't know what the cost part is, but the penta is five. I thought it was five. It should be because the pentagon has five, five sides. Right. So how they get from seven to five, That's I'm not sure on that. Hmm. Well, I just had an interesting thought, but I don't know how. 50 days, right? That's what it is. It's the okay. number of days, not okay. the number of weeks. Okay, we have the answer. <laughs> Hey, this is All Greek right. thought. You know, it's Greek thinking. I mean, it's just different from Hebraic thinking. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cost means days. It how, means the fiftieth. Uh, something to do with the fiftieth. How Aristotelian of them. <sighs> what about Socratelian? Plato Platonian or Platonic or something? <laughs> All right, so we do have... Okay, so the jokes are getting weak. Uh, yeah. All right, so another New Testament idea I want to talk about is... And I'm, I don't know how to bring this into context other than we don't have a Torah portion specifically. What we're doing is we'll talk about some special readings that were for this week from... Um, what was it? Exodus. And we did one, a couple from Deuteronomy. 
and we'll talk about the Haftarah, which is Isaiah. So Ezekiel. Another another word that comes up a lot in the church that this is a service to people who are learning about the Hebraic way, Hebraic roots, but have spent much of much of their time like <laughs> how would you say it? It's thinking that's guided by church tradition. So yeah. one thing we were taught what's that? Well, I was trying to think of a word to coin it, but I'm kind of coming up empty-handed. Worldview. <clears throat> Worldview is nice. The word that I'm referring to, or bring, we were discussing this before the lesson started. It's the word Pharisee. Now, the reason this was brought up is because technically, the calendar, Jewish, the Jewish calendar, can also be understood to be a Pharisee. It can be a Pharisee calendar. That's because it's it is associated with it's from the Jewish who are the Paroshim. The Paroshim are the Orthodox now. So it's a little bit of a um, it's just a how would you say that? It's understood best because there are other groups who look at the moon sighting and won't call Rosh Chodesh until they have a sighting of the new moon of the crescent after the Yareach Nach, which means the quiet moon. So a huh. new phase, a new bit of light coming from the time after what we call a new moon, right? That is Rosh Chodesh for the Karaites. And that stands in contrast. Oh, well, I said Karaites, but who, what group in the New Testament are these? Remember? <laughs> right, so it's the Tzadukim, or the Sadducees in the New Testament. So they they have their school of thought. The Pharisees have their school of thought about the calendar that's different. So that's how the association is made between the current Hillel II Jewish calendar, calling, saying it's a quote-unquote Pharisee calendar. But the thing we're trying to point out is that really the word Pharisee gets a bad reputation. <laughs> that's what we were talking about. Because if you... You really shouldn't, and, and you shouldn't. If if I said that is a Pharisee calendar, it almost sound, does it sound like I'm saying, well, that's a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite <laughs> calendar. It, when it you say it, most would. recoil. <laughs> what? Most people will recoil when you say it that way. They'll be like, oh, Pharisee, want to stay away from that? Oh, don't Did touch you? it. Hurts or yes. something. Right, they're they're smug. They're they're um, what's the word? You know, they're Pharisaical. There is a reason Jesus died in the first place. <laughs> right, they crucified him. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, <clears throat> now of wrecking, there are wrecking, yeah there there are New Testament examples. I would, I would just like to point this out that there are examples in the New Testament, even though we don't like that word, that that actually give out examples of Pharisees that believed that Jesus was from God. And they wanted to see Jesus succeed in the things that he was doing. But, uh, I mean, the church rarely ever mentions them at all. So. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. So what we were doing is, it turns out that the word Pharisee becomes generalized as if it's like um, an obnoxious... Um, Hip, hypocrite, you know, mm. um, religious, I don't know, <clears throat> over overlord or something. Do what I say, not what I do kind of person. Yeah. That's a Pharisee. <laughs> yeah. 
And it has this connotation. This it has a very negative and bad connotation. Yep, it does. sure does. But that's something which we should not. We should we should educate ourselves. We should not do that. It doesn't necessarily mean a hypocrite. And what it really refers to is people who follow what is now called the Orthodox. They were called the Parushim in those days. That's that's Pharisee in English. Mm-hmm. So, and they. They have, um, we talked a little bit about this calendar. It's a very nice quality calendar. It's very detailed and very, very extremely accurate. It just happens to be associated with what is known as Pharisees. And we wanted to point this out. I don't know if there's anything more to say. Um, you should you should view it as this is a group of Jew, Jewish people. A Judaism, you could call it that. It's a like a it's the predominant group now. Just like yeah. you have you have liberals like the Reform, and you have quasi liberals like <laughs> even though they say they're conservative. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> the major group are the Orthodox, but there are some Karaites. You know, it, it's um, I was reading a book one time, and and I came. Uh, how do I say it? So. I feel like one of the most prominent views in in regards to the history of Israel and the Jewish people is kind of like they're one congelious group and they all feel the same way about everything. But there's really several different sections within the Jewish world. You know, even in the New Testament times, you had several groups. You had the Essenes, you had the Zealots, Sadducees, Pharisees, so on and so forth. And when you understand the different nuances between the groups, you see that they're not all one... Not everyone held the same views about everything. Yeah. Each group had their own unique perspective on things. And over time, what won was the, the perspective of the Pharisees, which over the course of time became the orthodox perspective. That's very well said. <clears throat> so just understand that when you encounter the word Pharisee, it doesn't necessarily mean, and it should not be like a appellation of try, trying to say that somebody is a hypocrite. Because it really, it's really not a fair, as you pointed, it's not a fair meaning given to the word. You are pointing out certain parashim that were not mm-hmm. hypocrites. I pointed out before there was some kind of a word of some the high priest Caiaphas and trying to argue out some common sense. Right? Yeah, this is not these are not the ramblings you know of of a self-absorbed hypocrite hypocritical overlord. All right, so that's enough I guess about Pharisee. It's it's a word that sounds bad in church. But in in the reality of history and everything, it should it doesn't have that kind of bad pejorative meaning. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the that's part of what you learn in Hebraic roots is okay, okay. So that's a sect. It's a you know it's a strict you know denomination with within Judaism. They have their way. They have their oral Torah. They have their you know creed. Um, but it is so not a term. Does, that, yes. I, I would like to point out that so does the Baptist Church, so does the Pentecostal Church. All these different denominations have their own creed, and 
we're willing to accept that they're a part of the body of Christ. So, like, so, why can't these people be part of the people of God? The covenant. Why right, are they, exactly. Why are they the least, scum of the earth just because they have their own creed, which we're just as guilty of in our own yeah, you know, family? That's, all we're, that's exactly what we're saying, is they shouldn't be viewed as, scum, as scumbags just because they are Pharisees. <laughs> yep. So work on that thought. Pharisee scum. <laughs> <laughs> so it's unfortunate that 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 is not a fair characterization at all. It's not really. It's just really the voice of ignorance. Yep. To do that. What we're saying is, if you if a uh, we've all been there. We've all been there where somebody is associating the word Pharisee. Hip with the like religious hypocrites, mm-hmm. big shot. That that's unfortunate. There's more to the story. It's just not so. So we reject that thinking. That's what we're saying. Okay. Right. right. So all right. So we'll move on. All right. So the reading that we did was you mentioned uh, Exodus 19 and 20. Uh, we can talk a little about that. Do you remember what takes place in Exodus chapter 20? I imagine it is the children of Israel at Mount Sinai when God is giving Moses the law for you know he's gone for 40 days, 40 nights up on the mountaintop talking it over with God. God's giving out the law while the people down below are like I don't know where he went. So let's build a calf. But that might be getting ahead of the story a little bit. So here we are. Right, so that's basically it. Um, I had another article, and I'm not seeing it for some reason. Let me see. The big essential um, association or meaning of Shavuot is called in Hebrew Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah. Matan Torah. Matan Torah, that's what. So we do have, here's the tab I'm looking for. So we do have some interesting things on Kavad and use. Um, Exodus chapter 20 is the, it's, you could call it, it's, or it's known in colloquial talk as the giving of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> it's the listing of the, what are called the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Right? We've, we've discussed the Ten Commandments before. Yes. And how they're, they're not really, like, they're more so categories for the 613 commandments that God actually gave, as opposed to the totality of everything God gave. But from the church perspective, the Ten Commandments are the Big Ten. Those are the things you really got to listen to. <laughs> and uh, everything else is rather unimportant. But then they go even further and say, well, those Ten Commandments, yeah, it's not really all that important either. Here's another trivia question. Let's see. We've been doing a little more than average talk about the New Testament. Are the are the Ten Commandments even found in? Are they in the New Testament? Are they talked about? Well, Jesus specified more than just the Ten Commandments. He said not a single uh, letter or dot, dot or tittle will be removed from the law. Until heaven and earth completely pass away. So that would include the entire 613 mitzvot. Right. So, yes, by definition, since the entire Torah won't be done away, the ten, 
sayings or commandments likewise will be done away. Yes, so that's good. That was a good answer. Mm-hmm. You can find other verses uh, where they are referred to specifically. I'm pretty sure we can come up with them quickly. You know the commandments, Mark 10, verse 19. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal, right? That's that's mm-hmm. a direct reference in Mark 10, 19 to sure. what we're studying now. <coughs> okay. All right. So we'll go back to the Matan, the giving of the Torah. This is um the whole Torah. The, the meaning of this is the entire Torah from Genesis to the end of Deuteronomy is all... Um, Summarized in, a, in, a, in an encapsulation or a s- synopsis, other Greek, but it's it's a good it's a <laughs> encapsulation. It's covering everything. That's what we've been saying. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the, from the slavery there. There you sh- there shall not be any other gods before besides or before my face, is what it says in Hebrew. No sculptures, no statues, none of that, right? And so it goes on from there, um, remember the Sabbath day. And viewed as a category, this would be remember also the Moedim. Six days you shall, the Moedim, the appointed times, right? Remember the holidays on the calendar is what's being this yeah, category like, is uh, like Shavuot and stuff, right? Like so. Shavuot, right? And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So um, this this article asks a question: How many commands or mitzvahs are really in the what's called the Ten Commandments? How many are really in the Ten Commandments? I thought it was an interesting article. Survey says all six hundred thirteen. Long. <laughs> no. All right. So the English term Ten Commandments is not an exact translation of Aseret Hadivarim. I don't know why they're spelling it this way, Hadibrod. Anyway, this terminology isn't accurate since the Aseret Devarim actually contains between 11 and 15 commandments, depending on how you count. So they're called, but you have to treat it as it's kind of um, an abbreviated summary say 10 so the law annotated it's it, right it's an abridged it's like reading the abridged you know edition <laughs> yes <laughs> it is this is important for people learning about this to realize <laughs> and, you know actually i just had kind of an epiphany it's um this relationship to the 10 sayings and the 613 mitzvot it's very characteristic of hebrew itself where things like to, um, Hebrew likes to combine several things into a single head. Like it, it's very wrapped up in itself. Does that yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Like so the a- other way of saying that is, is that non-Hebrew and especially Western languages like Greek do tend to dissect, <laughs> dissect yeah. and sectionalize and separate out, which that's a nice trait for science. <laughs> and for trying to figure out like you know, mathematics and equations and geometry and that kind of thing, that's okay. It's fine, but it doesn't. It's not always the best for for language. Right. It isn't. That's why it, in Hebrew we talk about. I I actually yeah. feel like it's uh, it's 
you're right. It's good for science and things where you're trying to uh, take things apart and understand it. Yes. But for a really good, cohesive, solid life, you need things to be coming together. You need things to be adhering one to another. You, that's that's what it takes for a life to be stable yeah. as opposed to intricately unstable because everything's been disassembled and you're focusing on the minutiae and the finer details and not getting the big picture. That's true. You need a vision of a unified whole, and it's very different. A, a unified overall um, zoom-out type of type of mm-hmm. picture, representation of how things work in the heavens and in part of creation. Yeah. Right. So Hebrew does that very different from, from Western languages. From it's mm-hmm. That's what you're referring to. Um, very common teaching in that I remember the church, you know, time times, you know, where oh well, you can have um, you can have what is it, phileo, and you can have like, different forms of love. Love, you can have married eros love, and you can have what's the other agape. There's yet another one. Just yeah, enjoy something like a co- good coffee drink. So you can I use love just coffee. What? <laughs> Right, so just isn't that wonderful? You can use just the right word for the type of love or wanting to to say. Where Hebrew has one word, it's ahava. Pretty much, there is another synonym that comes up rarely, but Hebrew doesn't. It doesn't do that. It doesn't divide out. Well, we're talking about uh, a family. We're talking about a husband and wife. We're talking about your buddies, your friends. You're talking about, you know, self-sacrifice type love. None of that. All it's telling you is, well, the main thing it's telling you is love the Lord your God. And we did the Kriyat Shema at the very beginning. We opened with, mm-hmm. well, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, and you shall. We never got back to it, but we have on other programs. <laughs> you shall love the Lord your God with all of your, with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your Resources. Resources. So it's more focused on how to accomplish or to achieve Ahava and what's important spiritually with it, right, than um, taking it all apart and dissecting it. Very, It's a very different way of thinking. So if we wanted to dissect, speaking of that, what's really in the Ten Commandments, according to this article, there are um, there is more than there are more than ten. There are actually more than ten commandments in this. Mm-hmm. So look at uh, we'll look at it quick. To know number one is to know in your heart that there is a Elohim. There's one. There is a God. It's actually mm-hmm. a. It's in the preface. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. Yeah. So you have to have an assurance in your heart that there is one and only one, a Creator, Elohim Hashem Hatzavot, the Lord of Hosts. Number mm-hmm. two. Not to even entertain thoughts of other gods, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Santa Claus. I don't know. I mean, what would that be? You know, Easter Bunny. <laughs> you you know, you can pick some, you know. <laughs> so, to entertain thoughts of other gods. Um, Mary? How about that Mary? one? Yeah, the, how about that one? Right. The the queen of heaven. The powers of the universe. So horoscopes uh, and that kind of thing, future telling, divination. Those are all prohibited in the scripture because of the, yep. Because we are not permitted to 
even entertain thoughts of these other Elohim. Elohim. Number three, not to make an idol for yourself, right? Uh, yeah, I think the Mary, the, there's a cute term in English called Mary, Mariolatry. Mariolatry? Mariolatry, yeah. So we have veneration of like a statue. Huh. Have you heard of Mariolatry before? No, this is the first for me. Now, I, I know <laughs> about, I think I understand the concept. You're basically deifying yourself. Well, it's deifying Mary, as you said. That's that name. I was just I picking up. I've, I've never heard that term, but I have heard people say to pray to Mary, which does <laughs> seem a little. Mm. Uh, she's a dead person. Necromancy is forbidden. So here's the thing. There <laughs> Uh, some like you know the Baptists, <laughs> they would be quick to point out, oh, oh you know we don't we don't practice. That. <laughs> okay, okay, I know, but veneration of Mary. I was simply trying to find an example of making an idol for yourself. Right. But it turns out, and it's up on I-75 north of Cincinnati. There's some kind of a church there that has a huge statue. I don't know if you know. <laughs> um, do you know about this? It had a huge statue, and it was struck by lightning. <laughs> uh, you talking about the Jesus one? Yes, that one. Football Jesus? So, what now? I'm well, sorry. It's colloquially learned football Jesus. Is that what they call it? The football yeah, Jesus? It's because of that, where they've got the hands. <laughs> this this so, program, it's like so it's really there. common in Catholic churches to have Jesus in different statue forms, but this and 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 this is my my take on it. The, what they have with that statue out there in the yard is really the same thing. You know, so that's the church. I mean, even there. even when they were building the temple, I mean, you're not supposed to carve images of like you know the beasts of the field or anything on there, even if it's artistic. You're not supposed to carve anything in there to represent God himself because that would, in turn, become an idol. Well, it does say that if... Yeah, go ahead. It seems a little bit that you don't know what he looks like, so you're making your own image of him in your head and then making a statue of it. That's a huge part of the problem. It requires imagination, and so therefore... some extension of your soul gets put up at some kind of deity deification. That's technically one of the reasons. Um, if you go back to the text of we call the Ten Commandments and look at it closely, you shall not make for yourself a sculptured image, right, or any likeness. That's why. That's why. Um, that's <clears throat> the word in Hebrew for that big statue is called a pesel. Pesel. What's the name? And I'm, uh, there it is right there. Fessel. That's it right there. I see it. That's a sculptured, carved, it's, it's, you know, a statue. So we don't have to spend too much time on this. Uh, we can move on, but that's because uh, we only made it to number three. <laughs> All right, it says number four, do not worship idols in the, in the way that they are worshipped. <laughs> I don't really know what they mean, but veneration of Mary as a statue would be um, covered by number four. Cause that's some and number other, three, yeah. That's some other power besides Hashem. Yeah, then I tried uh, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was talking to you, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but I had been working with a Catholic for yeah. uh, 
six or seven weeks or something. And he got comfortable enough to tell me about how he was having this conversation with a Protestant. And the Protestant was like, I just don't understand why you guys have to worship uh, Mary. And, so you know, similar thing. And the guy's response was like, well, I mean, what do you mean by worship? I mean, we honor her. And sure, we we pray to her. And I'm like, that's the problem. That's what the guy's talking about. <laughs> but he just had no concept of why that would be problematic. Not a not a clue. So what that means is, technically, he's an idolater and doesn't realize it. Because if you go back up to what Kavada's saying, not to even enter entertain thoughts about other de- powers besides Hashem. So mm-hmm. you're doing it. If you if you can't distinguish the difference, then likely you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good model to keep in mind. Right. It's the the, the ability to distinguish the difference is what what the Torah imparts. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So moving on. Um, this it does expand a little bit to number five. In the four specific ways you're supposed to worship Hashem, that was uh, the and that was number one, bowing down. Because I looked at it while we were talking. Okay. Um, number one is bowing down. Number two is sacrifices. Number three is uh, z- um, keter, which s- incense, and then mm. the uh, uh, like a drink offering, a wine 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 libation. Yeah. Anyone who serves an idol in one of these four ways has transgressed this prohibition even if that particular idol is not customarily served in one of these ways all right so it's a technique but are you allowed again, to burn incense to hashem outside the temple like i, I know the I wine don't. libation the sacrifice that both has to be done at the temple i'm a little yes. unclear as to incense though right so i would yeah i would say that's not that's also not allowed we can we can be open to comment on, but this is saying it's really an expansion of just how idols are served, worshipped. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we should move on. Number six, um, <laughs> the principal transgression here is to swear like a false oath and use God's name. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Number seven, to sanctify, to make holy the day of Shabbat. That's that is a that's a positive mitzvah. These are all negative. So except for this one. So the one before that was do not take the name of Hashem for false false oaths or empty promises and that kind of thing, right? And right. number seven is a positive command to remember, sanctify, keep it holy, the Shabbat. And we're going to get to that and talk about Isaiah. My God, the church has lost that one. <laughs> that's all I had to say on that. Um, number eight, not, and it's the same. It's the same idea, said a different way. Doing, <laughs> you know, business. Uh, well, <laughs> whatever business work on the Shabbat to honor one's father and mother. That's the ninth, and then these are, are always appear. Thou shalt not murder, commit adultery. There's an expansion of stealing. Um, and for some reason, they're putting here here as kidnapped. I've actually heard that before, that the Pharisees, when they are reading Do Not Steal, it's actually steal people. It's included in that, but I don't know. That, 
seems a little specific for what the uh, Hebrew actually says. Yeah, because the English word stealing is uh, the word ganav. That's a thief, a gonev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not it's not invariably, it's not always kidnapping. It could be like a sheep or a you know, some kind of valuable thing. But I don't know where they're getting that. Well, I guess kidnap in Hebrew would probably like might be specific to something like a sheep, a, a baby sheep or something. Okay. We can go with get that. Get a kid kid kidnap. Get it? Yeah, right. A goat. I don't even know yeah. why I bother with jokes. Little a little baby <laughs> goat, a kidnap. <laughs> yeah. All right. So oh, the well, next that was one, the thought. Yeah. To making false testimonies and oaths, which is related to um, number six, number fourteen. Here, it's really interesting because um, they're adding a and scheme to, but every one of these. Yeah. Involves an action, except for this last one. The last one really involves a motivation or a heart level. Do not so, uh, covet and scheme to acquire another's possession. Yeah, right. Mm. There's a whole Gemara, a whole section in the Talmud about what does it mean, you know, to violate this. I don't want to get into all of those. Um, the basic here, they talk a little bit about it. Covet the prohibition against prohibition against coveting another person's possessions. Mm-hmm. So if you feel it, it's really just a command that if you have to let the other person have their life and believe in Hashem and thank Him for yours, that's what it's saying. So it's not so much an action based as it is a heart level. Yeah, that's what I wanted to point out. Right. Mm-hmm. So marketers know about this covetous thing and and the stuff with like keep you know, out what is it out doing that keeping up with the jones or whatever in english yeah <laughs> they know about this joneses they know about this this tendency of the heart and they're constantly exploiting it <sighs> okay yeah all right uh, so the that, basis of america in some regards so although for the sake of clarity we we call the Aserata Devarim or Haserata Dabirot as the Ten Commandments, it's a little bit like a jingle, you know, in English. It's kind of a it's kind of a marketing phrase almost, the Ten Commandments, or it's some kind of a jargon. Yeah. What we're saying is there's more than ten in this mm-hmm. and that they encompass the entire tour. So they represent all of Torah and all, as you say, all the 613. So for all the New Testament believers out there, think the way Jesus described uh, the law as all hanging on really two major concepts, to love God and to love your neighbor, right? And all of the commandments, the 613 mitzvot that God gave to Moses all the way back on Mount Sinai, they all are contained within those two commandments. In a more specified manner, all 613 mitzvotes can, uh, can, are hinged upon these 10 sayings. Or really, in this case, they're, like, they're classified as 14. Right, I think that's a spectacular, that's a really good, um, it's a really good elucidation for it. And I'm going to find that verse in the New Testament. He does that. I know I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, but it's not appearing for some reason. Oh, yeah, it does. It's right there. Matthew 22:40. Yes, right. So 
in Matthew 22, and this is to the people who are new to this, um, he's asked, what is the, the great commandment in the Torah? This mm-hmm. is the question coming. And uh, Yeshua uh, says to him, you shall love. This is, the, this is why we commence the program with this. The cre- it's, it's taken from the Kriyat Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your resources. Mm-hmm. That's Deuteronomy six verse or ver, Deuteronomy four verse seven. It should be make sure that Deuteronomy six. I said four. Let's read right. Let's six that. verse yep. six five. Right, it's Deuteronomy six five. Right, and you, you are, are to love Adonai your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your resources. Right. Boom. So, so we're they're asking this um. What is the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus, yeah, go ahead. So I'm interrupting you. This, this is a this is just a quick synopsis. My my perspective on what Jesus is saying. Someone comes up to Jesus and says, "What is the greatest commandment in all of Torah?" And Jesus' response is basically, "Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and resources, and love your neighbor as yourself," because all of the commandments fit into those two categories, and all the commandments are as important as the other ones. Right. So likewise, you take words. right. So we have the representation of giving the Torah is is the the Ten Commandments. That's the giving of the law. It's Mount Sinai, right? Mm-hmm. And likewise, that upon all of these ten sayings, the word "hang," I don't know, whatever. Um, Upon all of these ten sayings, you know, or with them or in them, the rest of the Torah consists. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a this translation says dependent or depends on on these two commands depend the whole law and the prophets. So on these ten sayings depend the whole rest of the Torah is they're they're in they fit into one of these categories. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing to get for for Shavuot 57a. Okay. okay. All right. So that was a good article. Let me finish up that one little section uh, for the sake of clarity. In other words, just for like, you know, a way to. Everyone like, knows what we're talking about. <laughs> everyone, everyone has a picture of what we're talking about. The the Torah calls them the ten statements. The Aseret Devarim and never refers to them by the number of mitzvah. They contain, never refers to them by the number of mitzvah, they contain underscores, the fact that they do this underscores an important truth. They're uh, not significant due to the specific mitzvah within them, the commands within them, but rather what they represent. So there's this representational relationship between the ten, called in English, ten commandments, and the whole rest of the Torah. Yes. The giving of the entire Torah to is to the people of Israel. Hebrew people, right? Hebrew. And I did intentionally change this language because this is an unfortunate artifact of history. It, because they, yeah, they, it it specifically states to the Jewish people, but it wasn't just the Jew, the tribe of Judah that was there. It was. All 12 tribes. Right. We salute our brothers in the tribe of Judah. We know that tribe was there, but there were also 
the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Shimon, the tribe of God and Asher, the tribe of Zebulun, the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe, tribe of Ephraim, the tribe of Binyamin. And I don't know if I left any out. Issachar and Don and Naphtali, those three, yes. Those were also there. Okay. Yep. Amen. Amen. So we're going to move our discussion over to the Haftarah that we did for um, the special reading. Um, let me see. Yeah. Do you want to? You want me to specify what we had in uh, as a Haftarah, or do you want to maybe just do the one that you guys did in the reading group? Well, this one I want to talk about because of what it says about Shabbat. Okay. So we'll do this, and if we need to get into Yechezkel, Ezekiel, we'll do that too. Um, so. He starts out by saying, reserve what is right, do what is you know, just or righteous. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, my salvation is near to come. My righteousness is going to be revealed. So it goes on. It says, happy is the Enosh. So Enosh is uh, a reference to the, it's, it's, it's a synonym to Ben Adam. Ben Son Adam. of Adam? Right, yes. Okay. So it's not a Yehudi. <coughs> In fact, it's quite interesting. It's not even an Ephraim. It's, it's not, not a even ben a Abraham. Hebrew. No, it isn't. Son of, of uh, Abraham. No, it's not. It's not a. It's not an Ephraim. It's not a Ben Abraham. It's not a Ben uh, Yaakov. It's not a Ben Yehuda. This, this word first appears in Genesis um chapter i know it's like a genesis chapter three i think the word is is used extensively by c.s lewis in his chronicles of narnia series enos son of adam eve all right so we have the episode with the snake Mm -hmm. in genesis and i said genesis three but it's really four and the first time this fellow appears it's not too long after this stuff with Cain and Abel maybe it's chapter 5 there's Lamech it's the first time he appears it's Genesis chapter 5 verse 7 wait a minute 426 you missed one I did miss one so this is the verse that's commonly understood to be the point where idolatry started in the world, even though the translations look like that's not the case. Um, this is the point in history where idolatry was like really getting going, and it's associated with Enosh. Huh. The, it's kind of like Enosh is like sort of the, like the father of idolaters. Interesting. I thought um, Nimrod had something to do with like the beginning of that in Babel. Nimrod brought it to much higher levels. Like he refined it? Yeah, much higher refining of, of doing bad. But the actual commencing of worshipping stars and moon and planets and astrology started with uh, Enosh. And so, yeah, what's that? I'm wondering, is there a Midrash on that? Like an expansion of a story or something? Yeah, 
I'm, I imagine there is. So the Hebrew, what the Hebrew is doing in that verse can also be, these are saying, well, then people began to call upon the name of Hashem. See that? Mm-hmm. They began to call upon the name of Hashem. Oh, they, wait. Does this have something to do with, like, using the name of Hashem, yod heh for magical purposes? It could. I see. Because it's profaning. Because one of the words, one of the meanings of this word translated as begin is also um, pre- profane or mundane. So it's, they were making mundane the calling of the name of Hashem, right? That's another translation. Whoa. I had no idea. Let's see if we can find a Rashi on it. Yeah. How did we miss that? We went through Genesis with the Torah portion. (laughs) Well, you can't get everything the first time around. Uh, Yeah, you got to say something (laughs) for the next time, I guess. Four. What verse? 26. Almost there. Then they commenced or proceeded to bring, you could say mundane, profane, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see if Rashi has a thing on this. The word. Yep, that's it right there. (laughs) The word huchal is is intrinsically connected. Common matters. Profane. The old word profane meant common. That makes sense. Yes. Profane matters, common matters. Calling the names of men and the names of idols after the name of the Holy One, blessed be he, making them the object of idolatrous worship and calling them deities. And it, that is the Midrash, Genesis Rabbah 23.7. What is Rabbah 23.7? It's the Midrash. <laughs> so that's the type of Midrash I'm actually in the process of getting. Because mine's uh, mine's got Rabbah in the name. If it says Genesis Rabbah, it is this Midrash, yes. It will be, yeah. I haven't gotten that volume yet, but it's coming. Oh, Legends of the Jews! Karina and I went into Books a Million one time, and we saw a book called Legends of the Jews. Oh, yeah, that's this. We, we would have bought it, except it costs... Like $750 or something. High demand. Yeah. It's very much. This is quite a work. It's a piece of work. I'm surprised it costs that much. But. Uh, well, that might be an exaggeration. I don't know. It was over a year ago. Uh, but it was it was really, really expensive, whatever it was. So that's actually the Midrash, is the, the book that's called Legend of the Jew, Legends of the Jews. It is a, yes, it is a... Um, kind of a rearrangement of the Midrash that puts it in the like in the same order as the Torah. I see. And to think we had the opportunity to buy it. <laughs> it says the generation of Enosh, Enosh were thus the first idol workers. So this is a this is a key ingredient to get from this, okay? You can you can go back and study this more. This was the time also when the mountains became rocks, the bodies of men began to decay, and there was another consequence for the idolatry. Mm-hmm. Um, was the countenance of the men, countenances of the men following the generations were no longer in the likeness of image of God, and the countenances of Adam, Shed, and Enosh had been Seth. Anyway, it's really interesting stuff. So if you go back to the original statement, because Enosh is a... 
it's just it's this church idea of types and shadows, but the typology of the introduction of idolatry into the world. Who knows? Because that's yeah. all you get. That's all I'm trying. That's the most important thing. The choices of words in Isaiah are really important. Um, let me see if I can find Genesis Rabbi to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's in Safaria. Well, that's nice. Well, I've looked for the Midrash in Safaria, and typically the only thing I can find is Hebrew. So <laughs> it's, it's that's not going to stop us today. Not today. <laughs> You're here. Look, that has Legends of the Deuce. That has Ginsburg there. Ooh, and that that's in English? Yes. All right, check that out. Legends of the Jews is an original synthesis of a vast amount of, amount of Midrashim from rabbinic literature and other sources compiled. Um, it's sifted through to follow the order of the Torah. That's my understanding. Of it. And I'm looking for Genesis Rabbah in this. Sifrein, Divarein. Midrash Rabbah, Bereshit Rabbah. Those are the books that I'm investing in. The yeah, they have the books, right? Yeah. See, where where was that? We were looking at a Rashi here. Oh, 23 verse 23 seven. That's why I want to look. They they gave this as a reference. <laughs> in Hebrew. All right, let's see what we can do. 23. Well, it's got English on it. Oh, that's it, nice. Look at that. Yeah, that's very nice of them. 23, 3, four. Pretty long. Now, there is no 7. That's 6. Uh, there's no English on this one for Maybe some reason. You, oh, there's 7 right there. All right, so, Az-Huchal Marab. Az-Huchal. Now, this, this is that phrase that has this double meaning of began or commenced or earthly eyes or mundane. Yeah, mundane and profane. So Rabbi Simon said there are three sort Mekom 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 three places that said that it is said in the tongue of this this language the tongue of Lashon Mered I don't know what that is Az Huchal Likro B'Shem Adonai Vayhi Ki Hechel Adam Hu Hechel Lihild Gibor Ba'art. So it's tying it with uh, Nimrod. Oh, look at that. It is. Okay. Yeah, because that's that, and we can we can prove that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Nimrod right here. And look at that. See that? It is. Ush also begot Nimrod, who was the first mighty figure on Earth, which is not how the English usually reads. Interesting how goes from mighty mon- uh, mighty hunter to the first mighty figure on earth ativun i think that's like aramaic this is like the idea or something to get amarlaham pi kipach i don't know that word on his head shell nimrod this is talking about nimrod mhm and said this Hamora Don a lie. Maybe teaching, I'm not sure. Amar Rabbi Levi Le Isha She Omera Levala to her husband. I saw in a dream Sheta Me Gorsheni Megoresh Me Gorsheni that you are something me Amar Lave Lama and he said to her, Why? 
in a dream. Hey, lecha ba'alilot. Well, I want to just be like real actions. Marav achav, or achav, atem asitem, you did atzmechem, either bones or by yourself, avodat, the service to the stars. Ukaratem, you called them by name, by your names, by the names you gave them. Ani, I will call to the waters of the sea, Lishmi, for my name, like finish up them, the people from the Olam. That's kind of creepy. The world? Yes. The men from the Olam, which seems to be the Genesis 6 kind of feel to it. Anyway. The men of renown? What's that? You mean the men of renown? Yes. That's what I think it's hinting at. Yes, okay. because they were Anshe Olam, this, or Anshe Hashem, but it had this word in it as well. This is seeking Rabbi uh, Abahu Okyanos, Onka On Okyanos, Gavoa. This is higher than all the Olam, all the world. Omar Rabbi Elazar ben Menachem, Vehalo Mikrave Malay, filled up who, he, Hakore, the caller to the waters of the Yam, to the sea, Vayishpachem, Yishpachem, Al Pnehaaretz, Shemo, it's Maha, Kaze, Shehu, Shopech, Milmalav, Lematan. So it's a really technical discussion, and it's not, it's deviating, it's going from. We just wanted to, there, somehow, this Midrash is uh, where Rashi was. It's doing it by, we. it's doing it because of talking about Nimrod, and then it's going down, like, almost mystical language. <laughs> That's why I quit. So, like, Enosh, son of Seth, Seth was a godly line, yeah? Yes. So, like, through Seth, Enosh was born. And Enosh had started the worship of nature as idolatry. Yeah, that's a good synopsis. And from that, Nimrod got this idea. Was it Nimrod from the line of Seth as well, I guess? I think so, yeah. I think Nimrod. I'm. <clears throat> yes. Okay. It's not Cain. I don't think it's Cain. Well, that's that's weird to think about. Well, it's weird to think about. And this whole thing is important because when in Isaiah 56, now we have more knowledge. Blessed is the Asher, the Enosh that it's <clears throat> the use of Enosh here. I don't obviously it doesn't mean that this is an, an idolater, but it could mean someone who used to be an idolater. And it seems to be saying that. So. Which kind of ties in with the Jewish perspective or Pharisaic perspective that Avraham was, or his father, I'm sorry, Avraham's father was a seller of idols. Right. So that theme you see in the Haggadah of Pesach. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild. Piecing all these things together like that. That's kind of well, wild. For the prophet to use the word enosh here is very significant that's why i spent the time talking about it Mm -hmm. enosh is of all the words for to say a person or a man in hebrew this is the least spiritual and the most earthly 
That's cool. the, that's the source text. You know, this verse is the source for that teaching. How intriguing. Because Enos was an influencer toward the worship, as it says here, making objects of idolatrous worship and calling them gods. Which it reached of Zenith at the time of Nimrod, yes. So back to the the important thing is the way I would read this is they translate this as mortal, right? Just a just an just a you know, average mortal person. <laughs> yeah. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds fast to it, who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds back from doing any evil. So another way to look at that, according to what you're saying, is happy is the one who has turned away from idolatry, the one who holds fast to uh, God who he's turned to, who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds back from doing any evil, or what he used to do. I think they used to, and that kind of a almost prototypical thing with Avraham is intended in this verse. So you have somebody who's kind of floating just a little bit above the idolatry, idolatry, mm-hmm. right? And it does invoke. So happy is the lowest form, the Enosh, titled after the one who brought idolatry into the world, right? Who commenced it, that does this. And then it moves to Ben-Adam, which is a much higher um, word for it's, man. It's, it is higher, yeah. Classification of human. So the Venadama grabs a hold of this, right? And I, I just really want to talk about this. Shomer Shabbat, right? To Shomer Shabbat from... Um, Protect Shabbat. Protect Shabbat, from, right, from uh, degrading it, deprecating it. What's the word, you know? Like, it says profaning, profaning it. Yeah. Um, bringing it down to the same level of every other day. That's a good Making word. That's a good word. Making it as common as the rest of the week. All right, so the news we have for you is that all days are not the same, and every day is not the Sabbath. If you ever heard that, you need to turn and run. Yeah. From whomever it is, he's telling you this. The Sabbath is specifically stated as the seventh day, and we are to keep it holy. Set apart from the rest of the days of the week. And then it goes on to say he guards his hand from doing any kind of like evil, holds back from doing evil, right? Mm-hmm. Then it goes on to say this this poetic reference to somebody maybe just fl- just flying just a little bit above, you know, the, the heights of idolatry, getting out of that. Mm-hmm. Let not the son of the uh, Nechar, which that's a foreigner. That's like an alien. That's a. I don't mean an outer space. I don't mean. <laughs> there's hardly, it's, you know, a, a foreign national alien as opposed to a native person. Right. That's the idea of Nechar, a, f- a strange foreigner from an alien place. It's not. I don't mean extraterrestrial alien. I mean a so far. You're not trying to tie this in with the Haftarah that Karina read. <laughs> no. Not the no son of the stranger, the foreigner, who is joined to Adonai, saying, um, Elohim will keep me apart from his covenant people. And what the word eunuch here is really trying to mean, I don't, I haven't been able to deduce that yet. 
see if uh, we can get anything. The English word eunuch is not is probably not what this means. They translated that because they don't know what to put in there. So it's an unknown word. No, it's a. I'm pretty sure this word. Hasarim. Hasaris. The Saris, yeah. Not yeah, it's a saris. Yeah, because it's a sonic on both. I'm sorry. The mem, when it's at the end of the word, sometimes has that, you know, a similar it looks, shape. It's that. easy to mix that up with a mem, Sophie. That's this. Um, it has the rounded bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can see the difference here. The no, mem, I mean, I, I understand it. I just, at first glance, I, uh, yeah. I mix them up by mistake. Well, the mem has a flat bottom. Yep, that's the difference. It's, you can see the two different. There's a Samak and then the Mem. They're easy to mix. They are. Well, I'll try this, see if we get anywhere. <laughs> he's a Ceres Safaro, right? Now, he's an officer of Pharaoh in this translation. Yeah. A captain of the guard, right? Um, that's the same root, the Ceres. And look at that. The lexicon calls him a eunuch. <laughs> Eunuch, right? <laughs> yeah. This is the store. This is when uh, Yosef was sold into Egypt, and the guy that bought him was named Potiphar, a Saris of Paro. Well, he can't really be. I guess he could be. He's married, so you wouldn't expect him to be a eunuch. The word in English that's eunuch does not apply here. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's exactly right. So. Interesting. Because that's the same Potiphar, like Potiphar's wife later on that accuses. It is the same uh, Potiphar and the bad lady, right? His wife. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. The bad lady. Sounds like a movie title. Well, what, what other options would they have for that word other than eunuch? Well, one option would be to follow the precedent here in Genesis 37. Officer. Maybe at the, you know, captain. <laughs> I don't know. That's hard. Maybe those don't make sense, right? Like, why would they choose eunuch if it if it's if he's obviously not a eunuch? What are the letters that make up the word? It seem to indicate. This is a hard one. It's quite obscure. Samic resh yod samic. Samic, right? That's that's correct. <laughs> Each letter. Has a uh, particular meaning, yeah? Which kind of build on each other to make up the word? You could approach it that way. Um, then later, when, they, when Pharaoh has the... And uh, there's the cupbearer and the baker. Those are also sorry scene right here. Uh, Pharaoh okay. was angry about his two, you know, officers, right? Yeah. So it's... It's something that, like... Is in the service of a higher authority. Yeah, that's right. So what is that? A dignitary or something like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in English, how would you describe this? Officer actually seems to fit pretty well. Like? The idea of submitting, like, in the service of something. So why wouldn't they use servant? There is a word for servant. I don't remember what that word is. That's a, that's an evid. That one. That's a completely di- it's a really, really different, different word. Yeah. Saris would be who? Um, it, it's like an advisor. Um, what do they have in the political thing? You know, like 
the cabinet member. <laughs> no, so I mean. would you say that Joseph becomes that later on for Pharaoh? He doesn't. They don't use that word. Interesting. He uses the king. Or, that's similar category. Well, maybe. That's what's hard about it. Joseph <laughs> never becomes a Saris. Perhaps it's because the Egyptians found the Israelites, which really they weren't Israelites yet as a people group, but like the descendants of Shem. Perhaps they found it's because they found the descendants of Shem to be detestable. The Egyptians did. And so maybe that's the reason that, you know, Joseph, Joseph never attained that level of. I don't know, respect or whatever would be required for this word to be in use. That could be. It's good, good answer as any. This one, back to our passage. So thus, for thus says uh, Elohim, as for the officers who keep my Shabbat. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. As for the officials who keep my Shabbat. So yeah, you my... could say... My appointed dignitaries who keep my Shabbat, that might be the intended. Maybe it's intended to be thought of as like, you know, when you got a, an ace in the hole, you've got a handful of cards, and each card has a part to play, uh, a key role, a key figure underneath your control. Yeah, I think that sounds... Okay, so that says Elohim, as for the key role, the key people that I have under control who keep my Shabbat. Well, okay, now it's starting to make sense. That that does seem to fit. Yeah. I am telling you this translation needs work. Unix doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? But key figures or some sort of like servant VIPs, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or VIP servants. Something like that. The servant does definitely get in this, but it's a different word in, anyway. <laughs> Who have chosen what I desire, hold fast to the covenant. Um, I will give them in my house and within my walls a monument and a name. Well, and, what about I, – I, I might be beating a dead horse at this point, but what about a servant who, like, is doing his service for the person out of a – a uh, desire to serve him as opposed to having to serve him. Right. So that's a motivational, like devotee, yeah. somebody who's devoted. Uh, that would work. Would that work with, that probably wouldn't work with uh, the servants under Pharaoh, though, would it? For the cupbearer? The, uh, yeah. They, they probably would not be serving him out of a desire. They, they like him so much. They're doing it for a job. <laughs> I mean, one got their head cut off, so I feel like that's probably not applicable. <laughs> uh, it's a really hard word. So you can work on that. It's a it's an extremely difficult word to get the in any kind of English. Appointed dignitaries, um, you know, dedicated like agents or something like that. You know, yeah, not unique. I guarantee we can go to a dictionary. It's, it's not going to fit. Right. I don't want to look it up. Everybody, people know what that word means. <laughs> the sons of a stranger that have joined to Adonai to um, minister to him. They're calling it devoted servants. And to love his na- the name of Adonai. They, oh, there's render service. So I think there are clues within this text, right? To render service, to love the name of Adonai, and to be for him a 
to be to him as servants. So that's the Saris. That's the Saris here. Faithful servant. <laughs> good and though good and faith, you know, <laughs> something yeah. like that maybe. To quote like another another bit of literature there. <laughs> well done, thou good and faithful. <laughs> but I do think it has that connotation to it. The Saris. Yeah. Because of this text, it's referring to the same group, the sons of the strangers joined to Hashem to minister service, to love his, the name of Adonai, and to be servants to him. <laughs> the part that I wanted to talk about, just kind of bring this all together is, once again, for about the third time, it says, all the ones who guard Shabbat. See that right there? Shabbat. <laughs> <sighs> so... When we when we talked about well, first of all, guard Shabbat from polluting it, and grab a hold of my covenant. I will bring them to the mountain. Here's Har. That's in your lesson, isn't it? Har. It is. Haviotim, yeah. Haviotim, toward or to the Har of Kolchi, my holiness. The mountain of holiness, toward mountain of holiness. Mountain of my holiness, to be specific, because of this year ending yod. And then I will make happy, I will simachtim, I will happy, make happy in the house of per my uh, the house of prayer, olotehem, their their uh, burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. And this is the famous verse. Where have you heard this before? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people or nations. I believe I've heard that my whole life. Where have you heard that? Like, where is that quoted? It's you... in, well, we're in Isaiah, so it, um, it's, in Isaiah. it's also in the New Testament, though, isn't it? Yes, that's what I'm, that's, <laughs> it's a trivia question. Yes, I, I believe it's stated in the Gospels by Jesus. It is. <laughs> is it when, uh, Jesus is turning over the money changer tables. Matthew twenty one thirteen, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Right there, twenty one thirteen. You have made it a den of thieves. <laughs> Mark eleven seventeen, the same thing. My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. Just interesting. Three times that verse is quoted in the New Testament. I yeah. mean, not going anywhere with that other than it is a statistical or you know, it's just a reporting of the facts okay anyway um i think we can close up this discussion with just to conclude that you have these sorry seem these agents of some kind you know delegates dignitaries whatever are not outsiders and here's the thing Okay, so one of the to get this put this all together, we were we were talking about our esteemed brothers who are of the tribe of Judah, and many of them, most of them, are Orthodox, and the Orthodox are descendants of the Parushim, and the Parushim are also known as the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it's bad; it's a bad practice to only think of that as negative. <laughs> okay, it is. <laughs> However, these are people too. <laughs> one of the things a person learns as you embrace the hebraic foundations or faith is you you find out okay there's a shabbat and the shabbat is holy and it's special and we're going to keep it and so we go to learn how to keep it and it starts getting complicated 
it starts becoming really complicated if you start to read about it. Yep, been there. That's 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 because the Orthodox teach that this word shamar right here, mm-hmm. that they would probably have to teach this as this one, this shamar. I see. It. Shabbat. Well, they came to us and they learned the 39 ways of the 39 laws of Shabbos. <laughs> we took a look at those in a previous lesson. We did. In an overview, just not all of them, because it would take weeks to do them all. <laughs> we find that a lot of them are uh, somewhat um, done with artistic liberties. <laughs> You might say. Uh, there's there's of the laws of keeping Shabbat that um, make keeping Shabbat more laborious than restful. They make it more like impossible. Yeah. That's the problem. It's in or it's infeasible. Like I've, I've like, never worked for, so hard to not work before. <laughs> I love the and, irony of that. I and, have never. Uh, Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's not jump too far ahead. You know, um, just in a, this is an example. So in our time, Hashem, Hakodesh Baruch Hu has provided the the networks. The he's provided the um, the connections, right? Meaning the internet, right? And the computers, the microprocessors, the memory, the disk space, the storage, the microphone, the cameras, everything that's involved with making this recording. The only problem is that if we followed the 39, if we would actually try to follow the 39 um, law, we would not be able to do this. This is, we are, by definition, defiling, we're profaning the Shabbat by doing this, according to Jewish thinking on the Shabbat, based on those 39 laws. Yes, we are breaking the Pharisaic traditions of what it means to keep Shabbat holy and set apart. So I thought this should be just an interesting, just a great conclusion to our lesson. This should be a very um, encouraging passage for all of you who are looking to learn about this and um, the Hebraic roots and embrace it as a way of life. Because if you'll look through here, it's talking about people who are just barely above the treetops of idolatry or just pulling out of it. And that's what we spent some time to understand that. Mm-hmm. And they have grabbed a hold of something in the covenant of Sinai, which we also talked about. It is called in English the Ten Commandments or the Ten Sayings. And we expanded that into more as we looked at that article. Mm-hmm. So they grab a hold of this covenant as it came down, the giving of the Torah um, on Sinai, right, into the what are known as the 613. Okay. Right. But the the notice here that these people are guarding the Shabbat, and there isn't any mention here of well they went to yeshiva and they learned the different things and they opened up all and they went and consulted the Torah Shebe Alfe right the oral Torah and they um, never worked so hard to not work ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you should be encouraged because. People who are just above the top, the treetops of idolatry can keep Shabbat. That's what Yeshaya the prophet's saying. That's what he's saying. And not only does he say it once, he says it three times in this passage. Nice. Also, I would uh, like to point out 
that uh, I had actually started up a new email for this podcast specifically. If anyone out in the cyber world who's listening to this has like uh, questions or would like to hear something discussed on the program, feel free to email us. You can do that at torahtopics2023 at gmail.com. That's torahtopics2023 at gmail. That's right. So read through this passage and be encouraged that Hashem wants you to be on this Hebraic road path, and he wants you to learn um, of his ways and the kind of a centerpiece of that journey is the Sabbath. That's why it's mentioned first and first in Leviticus chapter 23. And just like it's written here, if you look at, um, if we go over here to another part of our reading, we didn't have time to talk about this. This verse here says, because near to you, this, the, the thing is very close to you, right? Ki karov aleicha davar The davar is very karov, it's very close to Upon you, it's in your mouth and in your heart that you can do it, right? So there's this enabling language in the not Hebrew. Not too difficult for you, right? Where's that one? It's not. It's not across the sea. Who can who can cross to the other side to get it for us? It's not up in the heavens. Who's going to go up so high and bring it bring it down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> This command that I am ordering you today is not too difficult from you for you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not far, it's not far away and distant and so wild as you know, wildly esoteric and impossible and almost not anything pragmatic. Yeah, oh, that's another Greek word. How about practical? Right? Beyond your reach. Yes. This is the message. This giving of the Torah, according to Isaiah, according to this passage, is something that the you know the the humble servants of Hashem who fear His, have reverence for His name, fear Him in His ways, um, can shomer the Shabbat from and defiling. Keep the Shabbat. Right. And this is what we assert with all respect to our brothers in the other tribe. We respectfully disagree. We know what this word says right here. Just as you can guard your hand, just as you can guard your hand from doing any kind of doing evil, you can guard and keep the Shabbat from defiling it. So anyway, amen to that. This is a really good place to land. So let's bring out the, um, what is it? The Aaronic blessing. That one. That's Numbers chapter 6, and we always have to look for it. Yeah, you would think that I would eventually, like, think to put it on my screen before we start the podcast so that when we're ready for it, it's right there. You might think that. You'd be mistaken. You could try again next week. I think it's 620 or 24. I just had to scroll. I'm on 5. How did I get in that? I don't know. Yeah. All right, so it's interesting. This uh, baracha takes place right after the vows and the um, the Nazarite, right? Obligation right. of the Nazarite. It's quite interesting. Speak to Aharon and his sons, and thus shall you thus shall you bless the people of Israel and say to them. 
so you want me to do it? Hey, yeah. Well, I'm trying to sound it? it out in my head. No, Let's that's see. fine. Take yeah. your time. Yavar, Yavar, Kich, Kicha, Yavar, Kicha, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, Adonai, Ve'Israel. No, that's not right. I did that last time too because of the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. I agree. Ve'ishmerecha, ir ar ir Adonai panav paniv panav. I can't tell because of the. It is panav in this case. Okay. It is. I'm gonna zoom in a little bit. Hold on, because of the. Let's see, what ver- where was I? Now I've zoomed in. Oh, yeah, I see it. Okay, Panav. Um, ilacha. Ilacha. Uh, ve. Uh, what does the three dots mean? Do you... U. U? That's an Vichonecha. U. Vichonecha. Vinuchecha. Ish. Oh. Uh, isha. Adonai. Panev. Panev. Ilecha vaisham vecha lecha, sorry, lecha shalom. All right, so Adonai bless you and keep you, and Adonai deal kindly, lift up his face toward you and be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up his face to you and grant upon you, give to you shalom. Ve shemoet shemi. And I put my name upon the Bnei Israel, and I will bless them. So right now we just, oh man, we say amen to this, we receive this blessing, and we're encouraged now um, in this really, this positive devar, this word from Yeshaya. Thanks for joining us for another edition of tour topics and him here to say hashem and see the lord wills we'll see you again next time amen Shalom. Shalom.